If it's not fun, why bother? You're listening to the Logic and Pixels podcast. All of this just works. I'm not kidding. Logic and Pixels, episode number three. How's everybody doing? Adam, aka CS Radical, here with you guys. We're flying solo on this show. Avery is taking the next two to three weeks off. Holiday season is among us after all, but you are still stuck with me as it is on the show. And, you know, normally this is the kind of thing where it's like, well, my co host is away. Maybe, you know, we can put the podcast on hold for a little bit. But then, you know, a certain issue happens in the gaming community that is kind of a big deal. Just just, just a smidget, you know? Just It's not like anything major happened in the last few days, especially as, as you know, it's the 19th of December as we speak. There is definitely nothing going, okay, okay, fine, cyberpunk is a thing that's going on, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a thing going on. So this episode is titled Day One. This has to do with a lot of different issues related to that title, but... Cyberpunk is the one that caused it, so figures nothing better off than to lead off with that now, isn't it? So I, I, I got Cyberpunk 2077 on PS4, day one. I've had it pre-ordered actually for, oh God, I want to say three years, maybe, because Amazon at one point had this thing going on where if you pre-ordered Cyberpunk, you would only get it for $54 Canadian, which... You know, at that point, the game's normally 70 bucks. So, you know, I'm already saving like 25% before the game is even out, or even the date's really announced at that point. So I'm like, screw it, why the hell not? I'm definitely interested in this game because I just come off of playing Witcher 3. Made perfect sense. CD Projekt Red seems to be putting good quality out there, so, you know, you might as well go that route. I, I don't see why not. And I still stayed that way, even through the, all the delays, you know, Obviously, it was supposed to come out in April. Didn't happen. I'm like, ah, whatever. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to fix the game up, it's fine. And then we were set for, I think, August or September. And then it got pushed back to November. And I'm still like, okay, fine. Well, it's only a couple months. Like, whatever. They're probably just doing some quick tweaking. And then they delay it again in December. And I'm thinking, all right, now I got to start asking questions. Because if another two months wasn't enough, what's another month going to do? Especially in this pandemic era where, you know, when you don't have everybody around you at all times, it's kind of hard to get a sense of where everybody's at. But I still, uh, I still push through because, I mean, I was still excited for the game. I'm not, I'm not the hype train guy. I gotta say that much. I don't fall into that trap anymore. The last time I really did that is Mass Effect Andromeda, which I'm sure I'll bring up at some point again in this show because it is related to day one. But I wasn't, you know, the guy who is going absolutely bananas and in being totally impatient for this game to come out if this game still wasn't coming out till next year in the in the fall i wouldn't care like as long as it was going to come out in a good state and we all know how that went in reality but it was fine i was like whatever i'll just i still have time to book off i'll book it off then and that's that'll be my last bit of vacation for the year and you know it'll be something nice to kind of end the year with so the thursday came along and well you know didn't go so well and originally we obviously were going to talk about the awards and stuff that's what last week's show was so cyberpunk kind of got put in the back burner although we i don't think we really understood at that time how bad things were going to get because only just what two days ago sony straight up took it off the store 
and is giving refunds to everybody. Microsoft has now done the same. I've seen, at least here in Canada, that Best Buy is going to allow any uh, even opened versions of the game be returned, I think, by Monday, which is two days from now as I'm recording this. So this is un almost unprecedented. I don't, I can't think of anything to this extent. I know Arkham Knight on PC was taken off of Steam, but that was just the PC version. This is a much larger thing, you know, because not that many people have a PS5. I mean, the PS5 upgraded version of Cyberpunk isn't even out yet still. And not that many people have like a PC that's capable of running like the high settings of this game. So most people I would imagine that have bought this game bought it on one of the two last-gen consoles, the PS4 or the Xbox One. I would imagine that's the case. That's my, that's my gut. I mean, obviously, if statistics come out that I might be wrong, then it is what it is on that front. But my perception is that most of the copies sold would have been console because in the, especially in this time, you know, People are not spending money like crazy on PCs when they're not even worried, or, or sorry, when they're worried about where the next paycheck is coming from. But regardless, you know, when the game came out, I played it on PS, my PS5, and the frame rate's not an issue. You know, unlike PS4, where I've seen frame rate dip down to almost 15, like almost cut in half, literally. My my experience wasn't that bad, but it was all the bugs and glitches that just made it so, like, I could have pushed through it, but it would have been an eyesore the entire time, and I don't think I could have dealt with it. So I decided, you know what, whatever, I'll put it down. I was going to play it again when the upgrade happened anyway, now it just means my first full playthrough will be when the upgrade happens, because I don't want my first playthrough to be bad. That was my thought process and luckily for me persona 5 royal was on sale for half off so i have like a two-month game that i can play for the for the time being i'm not so salty about that so i'm, I'm doing okay but as things kind of went forward it seemed like cyberpunk's absolutely horrendous launch was not going to go away it was not going to go unnoticed and with the very lackluster apology that they gave and quite frankly, them sort of throwing Sony specifically, although Microsoft would have been included in this, kind of under the bus being like, well, it was up to them to, you know, see what was up with this game while they were certifying it. No, you guys just didn't have to put out a bad product. The reality is, is that CD Projekt Red is at full responsibility for what happened here because no one should be letting a product of that quality, of that state, go out. That build that got released on PS4 was akin to that of an alpha, if not worse than that. This could have been pre-alpha with the way that that thing was running. It was insane. I saw the worst cases and went, how the hell do you play a game like that? You can't. And for a lot of people, the fact that they did get on the hype train, which, again, we'll get into, the fact that they got on that hype train and were so massively disappointed is a massive black mark on CD Projekt Red. And it just shows to you that another company has fallen and another company isn't exempt. Because I used to feel that way about Bioware. I used to feel that way about a lot of other companies. And they always prove that if you give them enough time, they will either get greedy or they will just royally go incompetent and fuck up exponentially. 
And that's what's happened here. CD Projekt Red, regardless of how well it runs on PC, because I know some people will try to defend it and be like, well, on PC, it's flawless. Like, there's nothing wrong apart from, like, you know, little things that you expect on, on PCs because, you know, it's not like it's being built for one specific configuration. Doesn't matter. If the game is good on one, it doesn't mean it's okay that, you know, the others are bad. This is gross incompetence on their part. The fact that this got released should never have happened. I said on my other podcast that I do called the VCR Podcast that, quite frankly, the game should have been released on PC when it was ready, and they had to openly say, sorry guys, we're having a lot of trouble getting this thing to run the way that we want it to on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. We will have this released in a better state, but for now, we're going to release this for PC players because it's not fair that we have this finished copy done and just letting them sit on it because we can't get this other one running. I would have been honestly okay with that. And especially if you say, look, to anybody on consoles that are only going to be able to play it on this, don't worry, we'll have something special for you guys when that gets released like if it's some special skins or whatever else like anything just to be like hey we're not just keeping you in the dark for six months or whatever there's going to be something at least that's exclusive to you that kind of you know softens the blow it won't it won't completely get a get away from like hurting you if you're that emotionally attached to it but at least something to be like okay at least they're not just completely putting us on the back burner and not caring but it seems like that's what they did and not only did they put Console users on the back burner, they straight up just said, well, screw it, let them deal with it. And expecting like nothing would happen. I can't, I can't imagine how, as a businessman, you would look at the state of that game and say, yeah, that won't get us in any trouble. I'm sure that they thought, okay, well, people will buy it anyway, and then we'll just patch it and it'll be fine. Yep, generally when that happens, if you patch it to make it better, it's not that broken. There's maybe like a few issues here and there, but it's not to the point of unplayable usually, especially not of a game of this quality or supposed quality. Not a AAA game like this. It's very rare that it happens. We've seen it with games like Assassin's Creed Unity for that's the first one that comes to mind where just the the running capability on it was just piss poor, but it wasn't impossible. It was more of an eyesore than it was anything else. Cyberpunk on PS4 and Xbox One is not an eyesore. It's literally like it's, it's it's cursed. You can't play it. You don't want to play that. It's impossible to want to do it at that, at that frame rate. It's just a nightmare. So luckily for me, I didn't have the frame rate problem, and I just had the eyesores. And even then, I thought with just the eyesores and one crash in the first hour that I played, that that was still enough to be like, no, I'll wait till they fix it. So I can't imagine what it's like for somebody who, for the amount of time that they had to wait for this game, because this game has been like eight years since its initial announcement. But you get on that hype train, you spend your money, especially in these trying times where this year has been absolutely garbage for a lot of people, and this happens. I can't imagine the emotional breakdown that that would cause to some people, especially those who are already kind of susceptible to uh, emotional breakdowns. I'm a little better off than that, I think, because I'm having a real shit year and I'm still doing decent, I guess. So it's something, but I can't imagine like the worst case scenario is how some people are taking that. It can only be nothing short of a nightmare. Not worth death threats to people, which, you know, is something the internet loves to do, but, you know, I can understand the anger. So when it comes to day one, what does that actually mean when I title this podcast that? So day one is something that can honestly have to do with a lot of things. The first and foremost thing is pre-ordering. Honestly, pre-ordering. I made the mistake of pre-ordering this game. Now, luckily for me, 
unlike some other times that pre-orders have not worked out the way I thought they would, I'm going to get my money back. I immediately put in the refund because I'm like, you know what? I might as well save 20 bucks. Why not? Because actually, when I said that I pre-ordered the game, I did, but Amazon wasn't going to ship me my physical copy until after Thursday. And I said, well, or it was, I think it was going to be like Monday or Tuesday the week after. I'm like, well, my vacation's done. So I refunded that pre-order and I pre-ordered it for full price on, on the PlayStation store. So that's how I'm getting my, my refund. And I did it immediately. Cause I'm thinking, okay, you know, if I wait by the time the upgrade happens, the price might actually go down as well. It might be like 50 bucks. And I, you know, I kind of pay what I used to pay. And, you know, at least I feel like I save money for, for a much better product. But pre-ordering is, is such a mixed bag. It always has been, always will. And I try to tell people, and I know a lot of people will do that as well, don't pre-order unless you are 100% certain that you will love this game no matter what state it's in. There are very few games today that I pre-order. I used to pre-order a bunch when I was in high school and college because, you know, it's what you're told to do. You want to get it up day one, you got to pre-order. So there were a lot of games that I pre-ordered. I remember pre-ordering Kingdom Hearts 2. I remember pre-ordering Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and 3. I remember pre-ordering Mass Effect 2 and 3. And Mass Effect Andromeda, but that's different. Um, all of those generally, except for Andromeda, of course, worked out pretty well. I think there was maybe a couple here and there that are like weren't amazing games, but I didn't. I don't think I've really ever pre-ordered up until Andromeda games that I absolutely despise. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get into. Um, I even pre-ordered sports games when I was still into that. I pre-ordered NHL when I was still playing that a bunch uh, in the early 2010s. I pre-ordered MLB The Show 19 or was it 20? I can't remember what order these these games are in. But I pre-ordered one of, not this current MLB The Show, but the one previously, because I know I was going to put some time into it because of, you know, it's a game that you can play for quite some time and still get decent experiences out of. It's not something that's, you know, story-based. It's just go and play games and just enjoy it. And it worked out nicely that way. And again, I pre-ordered that. And it was like one of two games I think I pre-ordered that entire year. I pre-ordered it because I knew that... A, it really couldn't be in a really bad state because sports games are kind of copy and pasted anyway. So I knew the previous game was really good. So unless they do some ridiculous changes to it, I wasn't going to have much to worry about. So that was fine. And then number two was I knew that even if it wasn't a bad state, I'd still find a way to get at least my money's worth out of it, which I did. It wasn't even in a bad state, but I got certainly got my money's worth into it. I think I put like maybe 200 hours into it, which is more than enough to get your money's back or money's worth, you know. But then you have other games. Then you have the ones that fail, and the reason why I don't pre-order very often anymore. In fact, Cyberpunk, I think, was the only game I pre-ordered this year. Mass Effect Andromeda was the big one, and that's the one that kind of made me realize a bunch of things. One of them, obviously, being the pre-orders was bad, and one of them is that, you know, not every company is going to be amazing forever. Bioware was the big was one of the biggest companies for me. Square Enix used to be that, and then Final Fantasy, around Final Fantasy XII, things started to taper off. Once Bioware took over, when I first started playing the Mass Effect series, I think I might have played Dragon Age before that. And obviously I played Knights of the Old Republic, which I love. So they started building a pedigree with me. And when I pre-ordered Mass Effect 2 and 3, I might have even pre-ordered Dragon Age 2. And when all of those were, quite frankly, really fun. I know a lot of people kind of shit on Dragon Age 2, but I actually liked it a lot. Um, I enjoyed all of them. So Bioware, for a long period of time, it had this track record with me that they could do no wrong. And I went into Mass Effect Andromeda for the last time that I would ever be on a hype train in my life. 
I will never be on a hype train ever again because of that game. Because everything I ever wanted in a Mass Effect game was supposed to be in that game. I had complained for a long time that I didn't like Mass Effect games anymore in terms of its story because I wanted something different. I didn't want to be the war hero already. I wanted to become. I wanted to build my story because the as much as I love the original trilogy, my one biggest criticism will always be I don't like that you start the game already with a storied history. You already fought the big war in the first contact war. My logic is, why am I playing someone who's already done the thing? I would rather be the one that does the thing. I think Mass Effect could have been a really incredible story if they had started you as a young shepherd working his way to becoming the first Spectre. Becoming the first person in the human race to be given that opportunity to become one. So, I would love nothing more than to have a game that would have done that, but instead it thrusts you into being the hero right away, and I didn't like that. So when Andromeda comes out and says, you are exploring, you are going to be the discovery, you are going to be the one that finds new planets, new races, new technology, new elements that we can use to even further bolster the, well, I guess it's not the human race, but the Citadel races. And because the way that it was spun, it made me believe that it was not going to be the war hero thing. And in fact, that was the case. You are the child of a war hero. You are the child of... Was, was Ryder's father a, a specter? I think he was a specter? Or at the very least, he was a very major part of N7. Either way. But you definitely are playing a person who isn't a story-decorated soldier. So... Everything that I thought I wanted was going to happen. And when the day came to play it, I was so excited. Couldn't wait. Ran the fuck home. Booted it up. And started playing. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is what I remember. This is really good. This is looking okay. This is looking pretty sweet. And then you get on the first planet. I don't care if I spoil it at this point, but the first planet is supposed to be the Earth that you guys selected to go to. And it is gone to shit. There are storms all over the place, and it's consistent storms. They do not go away. The place looks like it's it's a worthless planet at this point. So right off the bat, this is a problem that I have with video games in general, but this just we're going to apply it just to this game. The fact that the game starts with everything being fucked kind of defeats the exploring discovery purpose to the game. Because now you're rooted. You are tied down to this idea that you are stuck trying to fix shit. That's not discovering, that's fixing. That's not what I want to do. I, I was expecting discovery. And then on top of that, the first time you encounter anything, it's the Ket, the main enemy of the game. However, it gives you the option to either not shoot when you approach them, or shoot. It doesn't matter what you do because you go into a battle. So first contact, by your choice, is, or by no one's choice, is combat. You don't get a choice in the matter. You can't try to talk to them. It doesn't even give you a cutscene to try to talk to them. It's just straight up, you either shoot them right away or you try to approach them and they fire back at you. You don't get a chance to even try to create first contact. 
So by that point, I already knew something was wrong. I already knew that my pre-order was in trouble. And from that point on, I played maybe a few more hours and gave up. I couldn't do it anymore. I was so mad because the game that I got was nothing like what I expected. I have finished the game later on, and I still firmly stand where I stand in that this game is a really, really bad ripoff of what Mass Effect is. I don't think they had any understanding of what they were getting into. Quite frankly, none of the party members that you have are worth any salt. I don't think anyone in that party was, was good. I think they're all bad. I don't think they have any interest to them. In fact, the closest thing I had to interest was the... Um, I can't even remember her name. It's not the... It's not the driver. It was the person to the left in the cockpit. I think she was the navigator or something. And she had like a bit of like a Scottish accent sort of deal. She was like the one like kind of interesting character. Everything else was just dull as shit. And that was the point that I decided that pre-ordering just wasn't for me anymore. Obviously, like I've said, I've gone to pre-order some things still, but I am extremely careful with what I do for day one purchasing. If you are a gamer and you are not 100% certain you want this game, and I don't mean like you're on the hype train and want this game. No, I mean like you legitimately know that this game checks your boxes. It's a genre that you like. It's something that you are already comfortable with because I don't pre-order. I mean, Cyberpunk technically, I guess, counts as this, but I don't pre-order new IP, generally speaking. The reason that I went with Cyberpunk is, well, I already did it even previously to pre-ordering Mass Effect Andromeda. The Cyberpunk pre-order predates Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, but it still came off of a company that I have like an infinite amount of trust in, in CD Projekt Red, or had, I guess I should say. So it checked out the boxes. It was a genre that I knew I was going to like. First-person shooter, cool. Uh, from a company that I know I can trust, sure. A game that I know that even if it's a little bit shitty in, the, in, its, in its quality, or like maybe it's a little bit short, or maybe the story's not so great, I can still find something to like about it. Yeah, I, I still could have done that with Cyberpunk. Like I said, I could have pushed through it if I really wanted to. I just chose to wait. And obviously, when the upgrade comes, I'll know for sure if it was a game that was worth pre-ordering in the first place. It just wasn't worth pre-ordering the first day. But all the boxes were checked off. And even in the case of the Amazon pre-order, when I first did it, the price was also dropped a bit, so I even got a discount, so I made it really easy. But in the case of any game now, it basically comes down to it's got to be a sequel to something that I know is going to be good. Like Horizon Forbidden West is probably one that I, that I might take a look at, but it depends on my backlog. Because even today, pre-ordering for me is hard to do. Because why? I have such a backlog that I'm constantly going with. I mean, I just got Persona 5 on a whim, but it was also because it was a good price. There are still games that I'm waiting to get a crack at. I still got to play Miles Morales, Ghost of Tsushima, um, Demon's Souls remake I want to take a look at. Trails of Cold Steel 4, I still got to look at. Uh, there's a bunch of things. Like, off the top of my head, I, I could go for a little bit. But I'm waiting for all of those to drop in price because right now, obviously, being in a pandemic, and I'm also relatively close to being paycheck to paycheck, I got to be pretty careful on where I spend my money. So, at that point, you know, I, I'm very aware that I can't just pre-order every game that I might have any marginal interest in. You have to assume... That if something's worth pre-ordering, it's going to be something that not only are you interested in, but you are damn convinced that you are going to be in on. And I'm not talking like, oh, you're probably going to have fun with it. No, I mean, like, you are going to enjoy this. And especially now that I've been a gamer 
and buying my own games for over 10 years, maybe 15 now, uh, I have a pretty good sense now. I have a pretty good instinct, almost like a police line. I, I, right, like I feel it in my gut. I know it. And generally speaking, I'm right. And I feel like I'm still right with Cyberpunk. It just came out in a really broken state. But I feel like if I had pre-ordered the PC version, if I had a really good PC, like my PC's decent, but it's not good enough to run it at the rate that I would want it to be for that level of game. But I know that if I had the PC and I pre-ordered the PC version, I don't think I would have been disappointed. I think the gameplay itself is fine. I think that part of it is fine. Just the quality of its of its tech, like the quality of the, of the, like it's the frame rate or the bugs and glitches, it just wasn't good. That's not the same thing to me. I think it's more about the game itself. Like, if it's a buggy mess, eventually it can be fixed. It's very rare that these games don't get fixed like that. But it really just comes down to, I believe that if you're going to pre-order a game, you have to be 100% certain that biting a catastrophic failure, like in the case of Cyberpunk's with its uh, tech issues and Mass Effect Andromeda with, quite frankly, just being a really bad game and a really huge disappointment that you are going to not feel like you regretted pre-ordering something. Now, if you are really young to the game and you haven't really gotten a good sense of like the kind of games that you're going to be stuck with and you aren't really familiar yet with the, well, the fun that you have diving through the, the gaming industry and trying to figure out which companies are lying to you and which ones aren't and finding the signs. Like I said, there were signs by the time that this game got released with Cyberpunk that I had a feeling that something was wrong. And I was right, unfortunately. I didn't want to be right, but I was right. So for those that are just younger and aren't really like their instincts haven't quite developed on the games that they know they're going to have a really good time with, just be very wary. Don't go, don't go headfirst into the hype trains. Be very careful. And especially if you only have so much money you can be spending, if you really want it that badly, just get it day one. I know obviously in the pandemic, it's a little bit different now, but um, when things go back to normal and you can just go to the store and buy a game, just wait for day one. Because most of the reviews will have come out by then, you'll have a pretty good sense of what's going on. Because if a game is really buggy, somebody will usually have said something. Obviously, Cyberpunk wasn't the case. So day one, you would have kind of seen anyway, and you could have gone, oh, okay. You could have just waited till that evening and just been like, all right, well, I'll get it Friday morning if it's that good. Or if my store's closed now, okay, I'll get it just before the store closes Thursday night, and I'll go nuts on it then. You could do that. Because by the time that like it hit lunchtime on Thursday everybody knew that this game was in a bad state if you weren't playing it on PC. So, pre-ordering, be very careful of. And quite frankly, companies don't deserve your money before the product is released. You really should just be pre-ordering if you know that there's nothing gonna keep, nothing keeping you from getting this game. That's basically the one thing I guess I can keep you to. Don't pre-order unless you know nothing will stop you from canceling that pre-order. That's really it. Because at this point now, I think it's fair to say that the, the gaming industry as a whole do not deserve money predating the, con- the, the game's release. I don't think that we can trust any company anymore because I don't have a company left to trust. At least in terms of major companies. Because, I mean, I, I guess I could name off indie companies that, I haven't, that haven't burned me yet. But I'm looking at my shelf right now and I'm not seeing any company right away that I'm like, okay, I can trust anything these guys do. I don't even believe that Rockstar is trustworthy anymore because Rockstar just wants money. I mean, you can see that they haven't made a new game in fucking forever. They've just been making uh, cars to put into the new, into uh, GTA's online portion just to make a shit ton of money off of that still. 
So I know a lot of people, like, for example, when GTA 6 finally gets announced, they're going to go ham on that pre-order uh, button, but I'm not going to because I don't trust it anymore. I don't feel like that's the kind of game that we can think the single player especially because that's what I'd be wanting to do first anyway. I don't think the single player is that trustworthy. I have a bad feeling that the single player might actually suck in GTA 6 because I don't think the focus is there anymore. Now, we saw with Red Dead Redemption 2 that that eh, wasn't really the case. I mean, I think there were still a lot of problems with the single-player campaign, but it had nothing really to do with the overall quality of it. It was little things that kind of just ate away at me over time. It was still a very solid single-player campaign, though. But I'm starting to worry that, especially with GTA Online, because I find multiplayer in Red Dead was really hard to do, and it's shown that as they've made, they've pretty much separated it into like a really cheap version of it, so you're not spending a crap ton of money on it. I wonder, though, that because GTA Online is such a cash cow, that the focus will be there and the single player will suffer. That's what I look at now. So I am very wary of that game, for example. Are there any others that kind of make me feel that way, too? I mean, Horizon, like I said, I'm pretty much convinced I'll get it if I think I can afford it. Otherwise, I'll wait if my backlog is still more than enough to keep me busy for like four to six months when the game will probably at least go a third off. Yeah, I could probably wait. Otherwise, like, well, I mean, not a lot of games have been announced to begin with, so. The only game that I could think of that I would probably pre-order without question at this point would be the next Persona game. That's probably the one series that I trust enough that I don't think that can be screwed up. At least in terms of their track record, because... They've made two games on PS2 and now one on PS4, and that jump didn't really change anything. In fact, it made it better. And it's a JRPG, and they don't go crazy with, like, cutscenes and all these crazy battle systems. It's still the old-school fight magic item. You, you get the drill. So, really, it's just the story that they have to deal with, and they've proven time and time again that not only can they make a good story, but goddamn, they can make a damn good story that takes some real heavy shit and make it flawless. So I trust them on that point. That might be the one game that I would pre-order still without thinking about it. Anything after that, uh, I think from now on, I probably just wait till day one and just get it digitally if the reviews are good, if I really want it that badly. Otherwise, I don't see why. Because pre-order bonuses generally these days don't mean much to me anymore. Because they're usually just very, very small cosmetic shit that doesn't really change much. Um... And I'm not really much of a limited edition person either, because I don't care too much for swag anymore. I mean, I've, I've had some. I mean, I got Persona 5 Special Edition, but I generally don't get those either. So me personally, pre-ordering is kind of pointless. And then on top of that, especially these days when almost everything is digital, you can just literally wait until... Like the moment the game goes online and you've probably gotten a good chunk of reviews already to tell you what you're getting into and you can just get it then if you really want to go the full price route. Otherwise, I've become so much more patient as time's gone on that I think it's fine for me to just be like almost any game I can wait. So. Otherwise. We really got to talk about re the release state of games on day one. The fact that we have a term now called a day one patch. And it's not like it's some rare thing. It pretty much is every game. I don't, I don't like this anymore. As far as I'm concerned, 
games should not be getting put onto store shelves unless they're finished. But companies, they want their money so badly that they'll put it out in a 75% state, start shipping them to stores, and then hope to God that they can get it to like 85-90% ready by launch. My logic is, why the hell don't you release the, the disc versions into store shelves, like start distri- distribute? oh my god, English, start distributing them at about 90% readiness. And then by the time it's done, the day one patch is 100. But they don't do that because that would mean you have to push the game back another few months and companies want to make their money. I'm fully aware that Cyberpunk came out when it did because I don't think they wanted to delay it after Christmas. And joke's on you guys now, most people are getting that money back before Christmas, so uh, have fun with your stock tanking. Quite frankly, games should not be allowed to be released in the states that they're in. There should be, like how the ESRB rates games, there should be a system. There should be some sort of a board that takes games and plays through them. Like, they get somebody to actually play through the game and note down any problems with it they see. Like, a proper QA tester. But just play the game in in length to what you want to do. Like, just play it your way like you would play it through the game. Like, give me a copy of Cyberpunk and I'll play it. And be like, alright, there's this problem, there's this problem. I don't understand why this isn't there. I don't, like... And just say everything I gotta say about it. And then they relay that, and I give a rating to it. And it gets reviewed by, I guess, whatever board that would be covering. Because I'm just one guy. They, you would probably give this to, say, a bunch of people. And you would look at all these together and be like, okay, what's the consistencies? Because if you give it to just one person, it's like how I don't like how like sites like IGN or GameSpot review games. Because generally speaking, it's one person, not the entire company. So you're getting a large company's score that's being done by one person. And that one person may not be consistent with everything that they stand for. So it's kind of hard to gauge what that number actually means. So if you just give it to one random person and they don't like the game, they'll just make up a bunch of shit because they hate the game. So if you get, let's just say even as an arbitrary number, 10 people to play through the game in full, they say, okay, you have till this time to finish this game. This game is supposed to take on average this amount of time. So we've given you this X amount of time to play through this, go through it. Anything that you, that you think really ticks you off, like that in terms of not story related or anything like that, just things that, you know, are game related in terms of like bugs, glitches, like video quality issues, like any sort of quality issue. Put that stuff down and then give it and give an overall grade on how you think this game's current state is at. And then if that comes back and the average is anything below, I guess like a B, that's when they go back and be like, okay, you guys need to do at least X amount of changes before we can properly say this game is ready to go. They would never go for that because obviously that gets in the way of making money. But that's honestly what should be happening because so many games are getting by in such horrible states that shouldn't be released to the general public. You know, can you imagine? I mean, I guess it does happen with every industry because, I mean, can you imagine food that comes back? And I'm like, wait, we have fucking recalls on food all the time. So, I mean, the reality is, I guess it's something we can't really control, but in a, in a, in a perfect scenario, that's what I want to see. I want to see something similar to the ESRB that goes through games and quality checks them before they're allowed to be distributed. That's what I would hope for, because it would it would have immediately stopped Cyberpunk on console, without question. It would have immediately stopped it. And obviously that doesn't happen. So, unfortunately, that's kind of where we're stuck at. So to go back to the day one patch thing, um, 
it really just comes down to a simple fact that I don't think day one patches should be a thing unless it's literally like minor fixes. Most day one patches now, though, are like months worth of work. You know, Cyberpunk's day one patch was like 10 gigabytes. If you pre-downloaded the game, you know, it's probably a little bit pissed off that, you know, you can't play it yet because you still got to download another 10 gigabyte fucking patch, especially if you don't have decent internet. I got pretty good internet. I can, I can handle that. Most people, like a lot of people, especially in the States where internet ISPs are fucking terrible in terms of uh, competitiveness, so the pricing is terrible and your quality of the service is pretty bad. Yeah, that sucks for a lot of people. So 10 gigabytes ain't no small feat. Honestly, a day one patch should be nothing more than a gigabyte. It should be fixing minor things. That's all it should be doing. And the fact that these things are like actually adding stuff into the game and things like that. And I'm not talking like day one, day one content because that's a whole other conversation that I can get to later. But just day one patching. It shouldn't be adding parts of the game in. It should just be fixing minor stuff. That's all it should be. So... The reality, in my opinion, is that day one, and I know this is a really hot take, you guys, if you get a disc or a digital copy of a game, doesn't matter, it's really inconsequential at this point, the second you have it plugged in, gone and moving, discs running, digital copies running, the only thing you should see is a little patch just, just almost like when PlayStation updates and it just says minor like improvements like or just you know a compatibility. Imp- I can't remember what the message it always is, but it's... um. Just basically saying, we just fixed really minor things that isn't really anything that you'll honestly notice. It's just like small things that are just going to make things run smoother. That's all the day one patch should be. So again, like I said, hot take. On day one, your game should just work. Mind blown, right? Unfortunately, that's never what happens. Most games, if they never had a day one patch, would not be in... A good state, some of them would be in an unplayable state. Cyberpunk on console. Even with, I can't imagine what the game was like with that before that patch. Can you actually imagine what Cyberpunk was without that day one patch? That's frightening. Besides that, though, yeah. If a game comes out, 100% should just work. With little to no bugs. Sometimes stuff slips through the cracks, that's fine. But... Day one, that thing is supposed to work. That's the idea of you giving a product. The idea is that we're trusting that the product works. I'm not buying a car and then coming in and finding out that, oh, by the way, the brakes don't work. I'm not getting a car and being like, oh, by the way, one of your tires has already got a leak in it. You know? That's not what's supposed to be happening. When I buy that car, it's supposed to be in perfect condition, everything works, and I shouldn't be taking that goddamn thing to a shop for at least twenty to 30,000 kilometers. Unless we're talking an oil change. Unless we're talking basic maintenance. I shouldn't be taking it in because like the battery's dead or like a tire's got to like the, the act like something's like something's rusted already. Like the engine's already started. Like none of that should be happening. So why is it okay in the games industry? Why is it okay that games get released and the frame rate can't stay at a solid 30? Why are we releasing games where character models are literally falling apart? Like Almost how many major games now do we see where it's that classic picture? I think Assassin's Creed started it where the face is missing and you just see eyes and mouth and it looks fucking creepy. Why is that such a, that, that is such a constant. If that comes out, the game is unplayable. 
I don't care what people say, like, oh, I can push through it. If that happens once, your game is unplayable because it never should be in that state. And we allow that. And that's why I wish that there was some sort of a regulation board that could cover that stuff. Because a game shouldn't be released ever in, in a state like that. Like, that's, especially from a AAA developer, that's like person making a game for the first time level shit. And we see in the indie scene, guys that have never made games before and do this solo, making these amazing quality games. It's amazing to show how, you know, a capitalist structure and this corporate wealth structure kind of does things, isn't it? It's amazing how what happens when somebody with passion for something does something on their own, and then a massive corporation that is in it to make a shit ton of money is making something too. Just tells you the whole story, doesn't it? Lastly, I do want to go over, like I just said previously, day one content. This isn't nearly as much of an issue as it used to be. It really isn't, at least not to my knowledge. But there was some stuff that I remember that used to happen a lot that drove me crazy. I'll go back to Mass Effect. Mass Effect 3 is the biggest example that I've ever seen where it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Because pre-order bonuses are a normal thing, right? Generally, it's like skins. Uh, you might get an extra weapon here or there. Uh, sometimes there's a new multiplayer map, which I at that I really don't agree with. But the biggest one that I ever saw was Mass Effect 3 because it was story content. In Mass Effect 3, there is a character called Javik. Or Yavik. I can't remember what the pronunciation was. For those who don't know the Mass Effect lore... 50,000 years ago, I think it was, there was a race called the Protheans, and they were basically the, the first, I, you would argue, like major alien race that managed to be able to traverse the galaxies. And they were wiped out suddenly. And you eventually find out through the trilogy what wiped them out, and it's now your turn to get wiped out, so you better stop them. But in Mass Effect 3, you find a... Frozen, I think it was Frozen or was it in Stasis? Can't really remember on that front because the game's a little bit old now. But you found a living Frozenness in Suspension Prothean. This was a pre-order bonus. This little expansion pack. If you didn't pre-order Mass Effect 3, even on day one if you bought it, you didn't get that. You had to pay for it. That, even to a Mass Effect diehard like me, knew that that was bullshit. Of course, I got it. I pre-ordered the game. But I looked at that and went, why would you take that away from people? Quite frankly, I said, you know, even when that game first came out, that should have just been part of the game. That's huge. In the lore of Mass Effect, having a Prothean should not be an expansion. That's core story. The fact that one of your other characters, Liara, has been researching Protheans her entire life now is working, not even getting to see or even talk to one, she is working alongside a Prothean. That's worth talking about. That's worth putting in terms of story. That needed to be core story for that game. And it wasn't. It was put behind a paywall for those who didn't Give them money right away. A lot of games still do that, although I find it's generally more when it comes to you get like a certain amount of currency 
to spend in the shop. Like usually sports games do this all the time where you get 20 free packs for the ultimate team, stuff like that. Or it's just cosmetic, which is fine. I honestly don't have a problem with pre-order bonuses if it's cosmetics because it's inconsequential. It doesn't matter. But when it's actual content and useful content, like something like the Prothean expansion was for Mass Effect 3, that stuff will always be unacceptable in my opinion. There is no justification for it. Because it's basically you saying, if you don't give us money before you know the quality of this game, you can't get this without giving us money. Even if you get a day one, that's ridiculous. If you can put this in the game already, you shouldn't be locked away. Fighting games do this a lot too with characters. You always see DLC characters announced before the game's even released yet. I'm still frustrated to this day, even though I have it sitting on my shelf, that I have Soul Calibur 6 and I can't have Tira. I still don't have Tira because I'm waiting for the fighting pass or whatever the fuck it's called to be stupid cheap because I don't feel like paying $15 for a couple characters because that's ridiculous. And that's a whole other conversation we'll probably have on this podcast sometime down the road is talking about downloadable content in terms of its pricing issues. But that's not for this show. But that's just an example, right, of, of day one content that gets locked away from you. Capcom used to be really bad for this when it's with its fighting games. Stuff was actually on the disc and was locked away. That kind of stuff is insane. That's, that's ridiculous shit. Thankfully, we're not nearly as prevalent, or thank God it's not nearly as consistent. It used to be, like, constant when it, in this industry. It's not nearly as bad now because finally enough people got mad about it. It's more limited to games that it seems the fans don't care that much, like sports gamers. So it, it's not nearly as stupid as it used to be. It's still a thing that comes up, and it's still a thing that I really hope it doesn't happen in any of the games that I play, because I don't want to feel left out. It happened with, with Soul Calibur Six, and it's not fun. is like my favorite character in the series, and it drove me nuts that I still haven't been able to play with her. It sucks. So... Day one, honestly, again, a real hot take. Anything that's ready by day one, I should be having access to, and then it shouldn't be broken. I know, crazy. It's insane. The hope is that something like the cyberpunk issue with it being taken off of stores now is that it starts setting a precedent. And this is the part where I get on my soapbox and start talking for the rest of the show before we close it off for the day. So this is now coming down to you guys, the gamers. Because Sony has done everything that they can. Microsoft's done what they can. Hell, a lot of retailers are doing what they can now. We've set a precedent on what is, quite frankly, the biggest game of this year. It is now your job as a gamer to follow through on that. When a major game comes out, don't immediately pre-order it. And if a major game comes out, even if you aren't planning on playing the game or even buying it ever, if something shitty happens, you need to speak up. You need to make your voice heard. And I don't mean in your little subreddits where no one's going to see it. I mean publicly. If you are a YouTuber of any scope, you should be doing it. If you are on Twitter, you should be doing it and making sure you tag them in. If it's Facebook, same thing. If it's Instagram, same thing. Whatever it may be. TikTok, I, I don't keep up with a lot of these things anymore. I'm basically Twitter and YouTube. That's all I do. Whatever way that you have to publicly denounce that crap, do it. And make sure that you tell anybody that you can that you know would be interested in that so that they don't spend money on it either, or at least not right away. People need to know that day one, you can't just do whatever you want. You have to earn that trust. Because there are games out there, like Yakuza and Persona are the two for me. I, I still didn't even get Like a Dragon because Cyberpunk existed. Yeah, honestly, if I knew what everything was going to be like, 
I would have gotten Yakuza over Cyberpunk at this point. And I would have enjoyed the game to hell. I would have loved that game. And I'm not. Because I'm still waiting for that to drop in price. But I know I'm going to love it. Because I've played seven games from them. Actually eight if you count Judgment. And they're all amazing. Some of them are a little better than others. But they're all good. And I can trust them. Persona, I've played 3, 4, and 5. I did try to play 1, but it was too, it was too like archaic for me that I couldn't do it. But I've played 3, 4, and 5, and have loved every single one of them, including 3 FES, 4 Golden, and now 5 Royal, which I'm loving even more than the original Persona 5. So when Persona 6 comes out, they've earned that trust. But when EA puts out a game, when Ubisoft puts out a game, when a lot of other companies now, when CD Projekt Red comes out with Witcher 4 or whatever the next thing they do is, as far as I'm concerned, they haven't earned a pre-order from anybody. Now, I know what I said earlier. If you are 100% certain that no matter what, you will like this game and you will play it and you won't feel like you got ripped off, that's different. But if you are now like a lot of people like me who have seen what Cyberpunk was, I don't trust them anymore. And I'm not 100% certain that I'm going to love Witcher 4 no matter what. Assuming Witcher 4 ever happens. So now it is your job as gamers to ensure that day one sales aren't breaking records anymore. The only games that should be breaking records on day one should be the ones that deserve it. And as far as I see it, most of those games that break those records never deserve it. Because they're just mainstream games. They're just games that advertise it so hard that you can't not. You know? Here's a great example. Final Fantasy 16 might break its own personal record when it, gets, when it comes out. As far as I'm concerned, I am never pre-ordering a Final Fantasy game ever again. Because I don't trust Square. 15 is the last one I will ever pre-order. I trusted them one last time because I thought something was really interesting about it. And they delivered until I got to a certain part in the story where everything fell apart because they rushed it. Kingdom Hearts 3, I guess technically is the last one I pre-ordered, but that game was pre-ordered even before Cyberpunk was pre-ordered. Kingdom Hearts, I think I had pre-ordered for like six years. <laughs> Something ridiculous, because the game was, was like titled for so long. Um, that game was still good. It wasn't amazing, but it was still good. But like, all these major games that are going to be coming out as time goes on, I don't think are deserving anymore. Especially new IP, I would strongly recommend to people that you never pre-order new IP. As much as I love Horizon, I knew not to pre-order it because that is such a risky thing to do now. I learned from Watch Dogs because the original Watch Dogs sucked. It sucked. New IP is a real gamble. If you want it so badly, games generally come out on like weekdays. Wait till the weekend. You're going to play it on the weekend? Wait till the weekend, see what the reviews are saying. But you should never buy one day one. So, please do your part. I know that the hype train exists. I know that there are a lot of games out there that you really want to go for. That you know, that you think, I should say. It's not that you know, it's that you think you're going to love. And you may be right. You may be 100% right. You may be buying, you may be thinking that you're going to play a 95 on Metacritic level game. Don't take the risk anymore. Because if you want it so badly, we live in an age where most people buy their games digitally anyway. And especially when the pandemic's finally done, you can wait day one. You can wait for reviews to come out. 
You can go watch a quick video on YouTube. Like you get up in the morning, somebody's probably already put out a video already that shows you a pretty good chunk of what you're getting into and you can get a sense of it. And then you can go to the store and go buy it. Because most stores generally don't open till like 9, 10 o'clock for game stores. I know that some retailers do open earlier, but you know, you get my point. You'll, you'll have time if you get up early enough in the morning and just do a quick bit of research on what people are saying day one. Stop day one purchasing unless you know that it's going to be fine. Because the next time that something like Cyberpunk happens, the next big hype train game, I ain't pre-ordering. In fact, I probably won't pre-order anything major that is an unknown to me ever again. And in fact, I may almost never pre-order again. Like I said, there are a very, very, very small number of things I would now. For example, thanks to Andromeda, the new Mass Effect that got announced and may never come out, because Lord knows I don't even know if Bioware is going to survive long enough to get that Mass Effect game out. No matter what they show us, no matter what they tell us, it could literally be a sequel that is post-Shepard Trilogy, where you are a brand new soldier that is trying to find his way after the cataclysmic event that was the Reapers in Mass Effect 2 and 3, basically. I don't care what they show me. I don't care what they say. There is not a damn thing that they can show now that will make me get that game before it launches. In fact, I may not get that game until well after it launches. Because we know at this point that most games are not ready when they come out, don't get fixed until months after they come out, and it makes perfect sense to wait because if that all that stuff is fixed and addressed and you know for sure it by that point with all the reviews and all the footage that you see of it now, if that game is worth its salt, it's worth its price of admission, it's probably dropped 25% by then. Because sales are usually good like that. So if you wait for every game three months, that's what I usually do now. I wait three months for any game minimum. By then... It's patched to a good state if it came out in a bad state, or if it's already started in a good state, it's patched to a great state. So it's already fixed and ready to go. And the price is down. And there may also be extra content either already out in terms of cosmetics, or there may be major stuff already in the works. So after three months, just three months, which, believe me guys, is not that long a wait. The game is in a much better state, you save a little bit of money. And most of us have more than enough games to play in the meantime. I can always find something to do. Three months. That's all you should be doing. That is the one thing I want to leave with you guys. Most games, except for those very, very few that you are 100% certain you're going to get. Everything else, three months minimum. Do that. The industry will not change if they have millions of copies sold no matter what the state of every game is. Some games will come out in amazing states and some of them won't. But if we show them that it doesn't matter what you do, they will eventually go, well, we might as well just get the game in, in the best shape possible so that the most people will buy it as soon as possible. Because if we show that games in bad states will not make money off of us, 
and that game's in good states will only make a little bit of money off of us, but they'll make a little bit more because we'll go out and buy them after. It should, in theory, start sending a trend that tell the, the industry that, oh, so if we don't release a garbage game, we'll make our money in the first few months. I know, crazy concept. It probably won't happen because I think there is a large subset of gamers that will never follow through on something like this. But to anybody that is, I don't want to say smart enough, but coherent enough to know that we we have a real problem in this industry, that's what we have to do to fix it. We can't be giving them money before it launches or even right as it launches because it's rewarding them for giving us games in unfinished states. And we shouldn't ever be doing that. So guys, please, be responsible with your money. Because it's going to bite you. And it's going to keep biting you because it bit a lot of us. And we got lucky that we got saved. Sony, Microsoft, and many other retailers did not have to refund us. They could have just said, we got your money, fuck off. But they're refunding us. They saved us from spending $80 or $70 or whatever your currency, whatever you have to pay for full price, wherever you are. We were saved from getting ripped off that amount of money. That won't happen every time. There may be a precedent set that it might start to happen more often down the road, but that depends on what kind of quality of the games come out as. But don't assume that that's going to happen. Don't assume that you're just going to put $80 down and you're going to get a good product, and if it isn't, you'll get your money back. That isn't guaranteed. So be a little patient and cover your ass so you don't have to think about it. Because the experience that I have had since Mass Effect Andromeda of not pre-ordering most things and waiting until things are a little bit cheaper has made these games worth so much more emotionally to me because not only now did I get a great product, but I also feel like I got more than my money's worth. And that sticks with you. So do yourself a favor and give yourself plenty of room to work with so that the games that end up being great have multiple reasons for being great to you. Because a great game is a great game. But if you also got a great game for a great price, I got Spider-Man for 30 bucks. How amazing is Spider-Man at 30 compared to 70? I'm going to get to play Miles Morales for free, honestly, because I'm going to be sharing with my co-host Jen and Chris on the VCR podcast. We're going to be console sharing because he's going to get Persona 5 Royal for me for free. I'm going to get Miles Morales for free. I know Miles Morales is going to be a great game. Can you imagine how great a game that is when I don't pay any money to it? Now I literally don't have to think about, oh, well, maybe if I just waited till it was 40, it could have been, it really would have been worth it. I don't have to think about that. Now I just know I'm getting a great game and that game is going to be amazing. Because now I'm not thinking, oh, maybe I should have waited. Now I, didn't, I couldn't have spent 80 bucks on this, man. Maybe if I just waited like 50, it could have been. I don't have to think about it. It's going to be amazing for what it is and nothing else. Do yourself a favor. Just be a little extra careful. A little extra responsible. And if a lot of us do it, the industry won't radically change. But some will. Because not everything is going to be a cyberpunk moment that it really sets a shock in the industry. That a major release and the biggest release potentially of this year got taken down just before Christmas. That is unheard of. And like I said, don't assume it to happen ever again. And if it does, it will be still a rarity. It's not like it's, not like it's going to happen all the time. This won't be a consistent thing. 
So just be careful and avoid the day one at all, at all costs. But with that being said, guys, it's been an hour. I'm amazed that I went this far. I actually pulled it out as long as I could. Um, I don't know what our topic is going to be next week. It's, I'm pretty much going by the seat of my pants. I might even just think of something holiday related, like end, maybe even end of year sort of deal for me. Cause again, it will just be me. Um, it's the 26th on the Saturday. I, yeah, I'll record on Saturday. I'll, I'll probably have time to do it then. It's not like I'm going to be leaving. Actually, I'm about to go into a lockdown state where I live. So, uh, there's that to worry about. So I don't think I'll be doing much anyway after, after Christmas. So yeah, that'll probably be, he'll probably be some sort of an end of the year, end of the year thing after that. I'm still not sure like what topics because most of the time the topics that we do on the show me and Avery at least the two that we started with are generally related to what's kind of going on right now so I mean it'll we'll we'll be going by the seat of our pants we might even start like going to single like game topics like just talking about a specific series or a specific game or something like that that'll probably eventually happens if there's just nothing like newsworthy to talk about that will always happen but I would I would say it's safe to say that probably next week will be like an end of year review kind of deal because it's just going to be me talking about shit that, you know, has gone through the past year that would that I think is worth talking about. Either way, guys, thank you so much for checking us out. Um, obviously, I can't speak for Avery, but I know Avery doesn't really have anything he, he wants to share. He's, 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 he likes being the stranger in the, in the darkness kind of deal. But for me, obviously, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're already here. But if you aren't watching on YouTube, it's YouTube.com slash CS Radical. Like and subscribe for all that good stuff. Um, if you were listening to this on any audio platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, plenty other places, uh, if you have an ability to rate us, please do so. If you have an ability to share it, please do so. I mean, ability to share it. You can always share this show with all your friends. And if you can comment, please do so as well. Hell, you can even send me an email at logicxpixels at gmail.com if you want to just give comments, feedback, ask questions. Even if you have an idea for a topic to do on the show, that would be very much welcomed. Same goes for the YouTube comment section as well. So on behalf of Avery, who is not here, I'm Adam A.K.A. CS Radical. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Logic and Pixels, and we will see you on the next one. Take it easy, everybody.